A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was wounded! But be careful. Because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Stuff from the Science Lab from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey guys, and welcome to the podcast. This is Alice Lattermilk, the science editor at HowStuffWorks.com. And this is Robert Lamb, science writer at HowStuffWorks.com. Today we are discussing one of my favorite articles, I think, on HowStuffWorks.com. And this was one that you wrote. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. Back in the day. And uh, the title is actually, Are Lefties Better at Sports? And as you allude to in your intro of said article, um, you know, lefties tend to think they're superior. And in fact, you were saying that right before we started recording. Yeah, yeah. I was. Uh, I think I was criticizing you because you were, uh, in fact, a lefty. <laughs> I am a lefty and you are not. Yeah. Now my... Uh, Did you ever want to be a lefty? No, because, I mean, it's, you know, you're always bumping into things. Mm-hmm. You, you, I mean, you got to have a special desk. It, it just looked kind of like a pain. Um, my sister was a lefty and my, my wife is a lefty. Uh, really? Yeah. But it's always kind of awkward because it's like we... We have to watch how we sit next to each other at things. Otherwise, you know, if we're at dinner table next to each other, we might be bumping elbows and, and it's annoying. And, and then, there, you know, with left-handed people, whether there's one in the family or you marry one, there's the whole, you know, thing about them being evil. And, and so <laughs> I'm, I'm always, yeah, it's, uh, I'm always just hesitant when I'm just around left hand, lefties because, because that explains that, you know. so much about our working relationship. Yeah. Yeah. So left-handedness or right-handedness is just something that we inherit. Um, in fact, lefties and righties have been around as far back as the Paleolithic period. And in your article, you stated that the number of left-handers um, is roughly 10% of the population. And it, that number has remained steady for about 10,000 years, which yeah. is pretty pretty incredible. 10%, yeah. Yeah, so the, those cavemen, those unique lefty cavemen back in the day. 
But it probably wasn't too hard on those guys because they didn't have desks, you know. They they probably weren't eating at a dinner table. Yeah, so. and they weren't having to use those annoying left-handed scissors. Yeah, well, what other products are there that are specific to left-handed? Because I just use regular products since I'm right-handed. But <laughs> So I don't know what kind of special equipment you guys need to function. There are mugs uh, with special labeling so that we can read them, which is kind of nice. Wait, mugs? Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, I have a mug on my desk right now. Like, why is that a right handed person's mug like if it's left-handed don't i just turn it around or something what you know it's it's just where else can you put the handle like is it on the inside for lefties? i don't know i have a special left-handed mug like for instance i'm looking at the pencil in my hand right now just in case i need to take a note or two and i cannot read the writing however if i hold it in my right hand i can read the writing oh, and that's not a okay. big deal i don't really need to write to read the writing on pencils all that often but it's just one of those things that we lefties have adapted to deal with. You should, the next time, like, you're at a, you know, I don't know, you, you go to buy a car or whatever, somebody gives you some sort of, like, a, the business pin, and they give you one that is for right hand, you should get, like, really offended, like, throw it back <laughs> at them. That would be great. Yeah. Well, there, there's a whole lefty movement, um, and I'm not talking about politics, obviously. Um, but, so, nature or nurture, what's the deal here? Well, we're not really sure of the exact combination of genetic or environmental factors that contribute to, uh, what makes us right-handed or left-handed. Mm-hmm. Now, it is important to note that you do see this throughout uh, the animal kingdom. Right. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. You're talking about the sea snails mm-hmm. in your in your left-handed article. Yeah, and the crabs. Yeah, I mean, you, you see it. It's, except it, if you don't have hands, it's called what? Uh, Laterality, I yeah. believe. Yeah, so just a preference to do d- different bodily operations, you know, one way or another. So in the case of the snails, for example... Um, isn't it that their their shells coil counterclockwise, right? Yeah, that's right. And so that's what makes them a lefty snail. Mm-hmm. Or even in the case of fish, where um, you know a lefty fish would probably dart left as opposed to a righty fish. And if um, you know if there's a predator chasing you, then you know maybe that benefits you because they're not going to expect the fish to to dart left. So it's a surprise move. On the other hand, you know, if all the other fish are, are darting right and you're just kind of out there hanging out in the ocean, then maybe it doesn't benefit you. But we're not quite there yet. Okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll touch back on this in just a second. Yeah. So the question of whether you're a ready or a lefty, th- some think is settled in the womb, which mm-hmm. I think is kind of interesting. And then you hear other people saying that handedness isn't settled until as late as age five in humans. Huh. I think that my son might be a lefty. Yeah? You think so? I think so. And I'm kind of proud of the little guy. Yeah. <laughs> Are you going to take sides if, if one's right-handed and one's left-handed? No, I will never be an evil parent and force him to, to write or, you know, do anything else that he doesn't want to with a right hand or a left hand okay. or, yeah. You know, I'm not into that kind of parenting, Robert. Okay. So there are some costs of being lefty, which I find really interesting and which you guys have probably heard about. There's the big one about driving and accidents. Have you heard this? That lefties are more prone to yeah, being it, an accident. Yeah, it's like the fish thing, right? Where you said, like, the fish will dart one way when the others dart the other? Except this is behind the wheel of a moving automobile, so. Well, right. So I've heard it explained as, um, you know, if you're left-handed, you know, that's your dominant hand. So if you imagine them on the car wheel, you're more prone to turn the car into oncoming traffic. Huh. That's one way I've heard it explained. I, I, I have not seen any studies to back that up, but. Now, a, a smaller height is apparently another factor, though. Yeah, smaller which, height. Which, like, my wife is pretty tall for a, a girl. I mean, so I, yeah. I don't know how much I buy that one. I, I mean, don't know. And also, I mean, some of these guys... Uh, and these are theorized costs yeah, of being a lefty. Yeah. And, and they probably, like, pan out over a large population. Mm-hmm. So you can't just be like, whoa, that's totally BS because my wife's tall. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, later onset of puberty, and um, they may not live as long, hmm. which is fine. 
I mean, you don't care. You're... You know, yeah. Sarah, also higher incidence of schizophrenia, okay. alcoholism, dyslexia, uh, along with stuff like Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis. And then you you have some mental disabilities that may be um, showing up in lefties more. Yeah, so that that about takes care of it for some of the costs out there of of being you know lefty using your left hand with those funny green scissors. Yeah, well, that's the thing. That's probably pretty traumatizing. The greens, the funny green scissors, and the the funky desks. You know. Okay, I will tell you that when you're learning sports, you know, maybe you're learning how to shoot. Um, you know, you're learning archery, mm-hmm. and the the instructor has never dealt with a lefty, so they have to figure out how to show you with the arms, and they're right-handed. It can, you know, sort of get annoying after a while. I wonder, how about playing guitar? I wonder if they have to use a different hand. Huh. I would think so. And if they did, it would make, you know, how in the Because mo- you use your left hand to pick. I would use my left hand to, huh. you know, strum the guitar or whatever. Wouldn't you use your right hand? Well, you know how, like, the older guitar dude always, like, comes on to the lady in the movie by, like, showing her how to play the guitar? I wonder <laughs> if that's a limiting factor if he's, like, a righty and he's coming on to a lefty. Oh, good point. Huh. Definitely. Yeah, I'm Let sure Let us they- know, guitar players, how that's gone. <laughs> So there is one good thing about being a lefty, and it's, you know, whether you're smacking a tennis ball across court or you're landing a left hook or you're fighting someone in hand-to-hand combat, as the case may be, you're going to have that advantage of surprise, right? Yeah, this is this is my favorite area of the study because it, um, you know, I don't get to write about like gladiator- gladiatorial pits uh, much at how stuff works. Yeah, not nearly what? as much as you want to. Well, yeah, I mean, I would probably get bored with it if I was writing for the history beat here, because because Lord knows it's just you know gladiator after gladiator article for those guys. But um, but no, it's like uh, it, it comes down to like all right, you're in say you're in a, especially in like a primitive environment uh, or an older culture where you know before you had guns and all this, and and it was more of a situation where I need to know how to use either my hands for combat mm-hmm. or some sort of a, like a sword or a club or you know a machete, a machete or a, a trident and a net. Uh, that's if you're in the gladiator pit. But uh, but yeah, so it's it's uh, yeah. Uh, hand-to-hand combat with some sort of weapons often. So, and, and a lot of times this is, this is going to be your like bread and butter. Like either it's like, you know, a part of like your culture where there's a lot of fighting in it or, or you're, t- you're regularly going to war or, you know, your social status depends on it. So you're going to train, right? Right. And if someone's going to lead, if you, you know, in, in fighting, you're going to lead with either your left or your right. If you're right-handed, you're going to lead with the right. Right. All right. If 90% of the population is right-handed, who are you going to train to fight? Well, so this brings up an interesting question. No, how are you going to train to fight? You're going to train to fight the right-handed people. Yes, you yes. are. But say you're a pro athlete. You know, mm-hmm. I'm sure like lefty Oscar De La Hoya is not, or somebody who's fighting lefty Oscar De La Hoya is going to, you know, go into the ring with, with a left-handed fighter. Yeah, to- exactly. They're going to train up, but knowing that they're going to go in to fight that guy. But still, that's not like all of your training. Like how much of your training right. can you devote right. to is that it 10% time? versus that 90%? Right. I totally get that. Is it a one-time occurrence? Is it a limited mm-hmm. occurrence versus, you know, regularly going up against right-handed? Yeah. I get that. Yes, definitely. But, and then the other benefit, of course, is if you're the left-handed dude, you're or all, gal, or gal, case, you know, uh, then you're always going to, you're pretty much always going to have that advantage. Yeah. Because I do. Yeah. I totally do. Ping pong, I rock. <laughs> because you're you're still going to be training to fight the ninety percent of the or play against the ninety percent of the people who are right-handed, but you're always going to carry that left-handed advantage in. Except, I mean, except against the ten percent. Well, even the ten percent that are lefties, you know, they're still going to they're still most of their training is going towards righties as well. So, 
you're going to always have have a certain amount of advantage over the uh, the guy on the other end of the court or the gladiator pit, etc. Indeed, indeed. So tell us what happened with these French researchers who oh yeah checked yeah. out this phenomenon. Yeah, so this is this is an awesome study. This took place back uh, between 2001 and 2004. And uh, these French researchers decided to test this theory this that above lefty battle uh, superiority. Right. They're and from the University of Montpelier? Yes. And uh, Mont- Montpelier, I believe. That's the, way, that's the way I always heard it when I was in Canada living there. But okay. correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. Canucks. Um, so, so yeah, this, basically they were like, let's, let's study this. But instead of like watching like tennis players or whatever, because sports is basically just sort of a deviation from killing uh, other people Certainly. with their bare hands. Definitely. Um, yeah, there's no doubt about that. Um, <laughs> at all. I mean, really, I think everybody can pretty much agree that like sports are like Primitive war light. Warf- yes. Yeah. Warfare so, evolved. Yeah, if like if people tune into sports, but if war was on the other channel, they would totally tune into war. <laughs> um, so yeah, they decided, all right, well, where can we really put this theory to the test? Uh, and they decided to go to the places where they had really high murder rates, and um, people were more likely to commit these murders with like handheld weapons or their hands, etc. Right. So they were visiting societies, you know, without the infiltration of guns. You know, somewhat simple societies. Right. And in these societies, again, the left-handed person would would seem to have the advantage and would seem better prepared to survive these violent encounters. Right. And sure enough, again, rest of the world, 10% of the population lefties. In these areas, they found as high as 27% lefties. Okay. So that just means there, there's enough violence going on that the the lefty population, uh, the percentage of the pop, the percentage of the population that was lefty was higher. Because they're surviving more violent encounters than they're losing out in. Right, right. So there's a correlation between the high murder rate mm-hmm. and uh, the occurrence of left-handedness in those societies. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty. That's pretty interesting. And it wasn't. Um, I was. I was looking at the data in the paper. Um, and if you want to read the paper, you should look it up. Um, Charlotte Forey. It's. It's. Uh, she has all of her publications on her CV on the web. Oh yeah, You can yeah. find that paper itself and. Uh, by her and her co-author, Michelle Raymond, and it was published in the Proceedings of the Royal Society. And it had a nice title, and that was Handedness, Homicide, and Negative Frequency Dependent Selection. Uh-huh. See, I'm just really hoping for the day when we can get that that, uh, that left-handed percentile down to like 5%. <sighs> just think how safe the streets will be. I <laughs> know, right? Yeah, so here's another theory for you on why lift- lefties might kick butt in sports. And this comes from uh, freelance writer Julia Layton. She wrote an article for House to Forks. And whether left-handers are quicker thinkers than righties. Okay. And so this is more like in the brain of where it's happening. It's like fast decision-making on the court or on the battlefield, et cetera. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So the theory goes something like this. Um, according to Julia, the two hemispheres or halves of the brain, the right and the left, are pretty much identical. Okay. For the most part. You know, they process the same information with data traveling between them, you know, ni- via this nice neural roadway pathway. Mm-hmm. Language processing, however, tends to take place in one hemisphere or the other, and it's often the left hemisphere. But for left-handed people, it can actually take place in both hemispheres. Um, okay, in addition to language processing, sensory data processing often goes to one hemisphere or another. So say, um, you know, data picked up on the right, sa- right side of the body, whether it's with the right eye, the right ear, or even the right hand or mm-hmm. the right foot, you get the idea here. Right. It's going to go to the left hemisphere for processing and, you know, vice versa. 
data picked up on the left side goes to the right hemisphere. I don't know why they have to make this so complicated. Why couldn't the the left you know side and the left brain line up and the right side and the right? But anyway, what's up with this crisscrossing business? Well, it kind of makes sense. You're like I don't know. Imagine sort of leaning into something. I don't know angles. So how does this relate to the titles of our podcast, um, which is Are Lefties Better at Sports? So if you think that people who write with their left hands may be better at processing sensory info and language with both hemispheres of their brain, um, then maybe they're better at, you know, handling all that information in a fast fashion. Yeah, because, I mean, you've really got to be like that. I mean, out there. And um, I am like that. Yeah. yeah like out that. On the tennis court. Can yeah. we can we get a snuffing sound in there? <laughs> So how do you test this? I mean, it's nice for me to spout off about how lefties are superior, but, um, you know, let's take it to the lab. And a bunch of guys from Australian National University did. They got together 100 people, mm-hmm. 80 righties and 20 lefties, and they tried to test the flow of info between the two sides of the brains. Um, the paper was published a few years back in the journal Neuropsychology, if you're interested. So here's how they tested it. They showed participants a dot on a computer screen. Sounds really okay. fascinating so far. Dot on a computer screen. Yeah. Computer screen had a dividing line down the center. Okay. So it's kind of like, uh, like Pong. Gotcha. Yeah. So you see a dot, it would appear to the left or the right of the dividing line. Okay. And then you, the participant, had to press the button to indicate which side the dot showed up on. Okay. Okay. So overall, when the dots were appearing on the left and the right hand side, lefties were faster at this task. But change it around and you just put the dot on one side and righties were faster. So extrapolating from this, righties could be faster at processing info that targets just one side of the brain. Mm-hmm. Um, but lefties would be faster, uh, according to this experiment, and targeting, you know, the both types of information. Okay. All right, so let's take it back to sports. And again, like we kind of said in the beginning, if lefties are indeed better at processing sensory info with the two hemispheres, they could have a slight advantage in sports, gaming, other activities. So I bet you kind of wish you were a lefty if it's going to make you a better gamer, huh? It's not about being a great gamer. It's about enjoying the, uh, you know, the video game experience. Right. It's not about the competition. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Do you really believe that? I do believe that, yeah. <laughs> uh, some people, I mean, I think there are kind of two schools of thought. They're the people who, like, play games and are, like, really, really good at games. And, uh-huh. you know, and the others that want to enjoy, like, the storytelling aspect of it and all. But, I mean, there's still going to be, there's still games that, like, say, I'm probably one of the best in the world at. You know? Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah? You want to name some of those? Uh, yeah, actually, there's a game called uh, Virtual Pro Wrestling 2 that uh-huh. came out for N64. I I could probably beat just about anybody. Oh, you know, so. listeners, if you're out there, I dare you to challenge Robert on this. You'd have to, like, come to my house to play it. Can't you play not, it? It's not online or anything. Oh. You know, so it's really hard for me to back that up. But, but, but yeah. So it's just an idle claim. It, gotcha. No, it's, I, I firmly believe that I've wasted way too much of my life playing that game. And it probably <laughs> is going to pay off if somebody comes to my house for a throwdown, you know? So let's let's get back to the study for a sec. So yeah, so to reiterate, if lefties are indeed better at processing sensory info with those two hemispheres, they could have a, you know the advantage in sports. And theoretically, they could use both hemispheres of the brain to manage that stimuli. Yeah, like the the thing that's coming to my mind is like I'm imagining like a dude on a football field and it's like instead of like one guy coming at him from one direction, it's like two guys coming at him. Right. Yeah, and he's like better able to process like both of these uh, these guys plus the ball out. and he manages yeah. to catch the ball and right yeah because like especially like football field especially seems like a situation where you'd have just also you could have all sorts of stuff going on the crowds yeah. roaring in your ears yeah it's kind of like Friday Night Lights have you ever seen that too I, I know of it but I've never seen it. well so the last thing I want to say about lefties outside of sports um, 
this study that Julia was talking about, uh, they, they said that a lefty could also, uh, being a lefty could also benefit you in old age. So the idea is with a greater ability for one brain hemisphere to quickly back up the tasks of the other, that left-handed seniors could retain mental quickness longer than their right-handed counterparts. Oh, well, that's cool. But I, I would I would keep playing Sudoku or whatever it is to keep up that mental acu- acuity. Yeah. Just don't let them get behind the wheel, right? Because you're still going to want to run into <laughs> oncoming traffic. Right. So if you're old and a, and a lefty, you're in trouble. Yeah. So... This is a great podcast, especially for lefties, because it gives you so much fuel to just go out there and talk about how great you are. So <laughs> I've been wanting to do this podcast yeah. forever. So we'd love to hear from you, your thoughts, all the lefties out there, some of the righties, perhaps, just a few, though. If you want to write in, send us an email at signstuff at howstuffworks.com. And we also uh, got some listener mail going on. Oh, yeah, yeah, we do. Are you reading or am I reading? I think I might do the honors. Okay, you go for it. So this listener mail was uh, from Valerie, and Val uh, works at a prosthetic company. She um, she manufactures prosthetics. Oh, prosthetic limbs. Cool. Yeah. And she wrote in to say, thank you guys so much for doing your prosthetic podcast. I work as a prosthetist. Pronounce that carefully if you don't want to sound like a quote-unquote lady of the evening. Um, so she was saying that, uh, when we were talking about some of the Paralympians, um, when we were talking about that, remember we were kind of putting it out there, whether Paralympians could eventually be, you know, surpass people who, you know, have all their limbs or, and, um, she, Valerie was breaking it down to a matter of, um, energy return. And what she said was that an anatomical human leg can return 130% to 200% of the energy easily. Mm-hmm. Um, and the problem here is that until we can figure out how to get that with a prosthetic limb, um, you're only getting 99.999% energy return. So this is actually what let, um, what was his name, Oscar, um, qualify. Yeah, the dude with the... Um the really awesome uh, the cheetah blades yeah the cheetah blades on, on South Africa because he's not getting that en- energy return yet mm. you know above and beyond but once they're able to engineer that and uh, and and equal the uh, the energy efficiency of uh, human limbs then Ixnay. yeah, on, yeah. Um, and Valerie also wrote that yeah as to the cost yes the new fancy ones are very dear but for vets returning home from the wars everything they need is 100% paid for which is surprising and great news if that's the case yeah, I, I think there's a there was like a part in the wire where they like the last season where they dealt with that like dudes getting uh, like prosthetics. Mm-hmm. And she was also writing that um, most new developments in prosthetics can be tracked to wars. So um, World War II uh, equaled um, improvements in knee and modular components. Mm-hmm. Vietnam uh, equaled improvements in myoelectrics. Iraq, Afghanistan uh, targeted re-innervation and the DARPA hand. The okay. DARPA hand. Yeah, yeah, that one's a really cool one. Yeah, because basically, if you are in the in the business of sending you know your citizens off to become maimed in a war, you want to send like the message: A, we will do what we everything we can possibly do to you know make life easier when you come back without that hand. Uh, and also, you don't want all your veterans standing around with no legs because it kind of looks bad for new recruits. <laughs> I mean, seriously, yeah, you, you don't want people sitting around on boards with with missing limbs. If right. you've got a nice government, you know funded, uh, you know, artificial leg, you know, you're not even going to tell the difference. Yeah. So we also heard from Jeremy and uh, Jeremy uh, used to work for 
uh, a company that made dental implants, and he was talking about osseo integration. Do you remember what osseo integration? Yeah, was? that's where uh, like titanium and bone. Yeah, mesh. Yeah. yeah, and he was saying um, for some of the dental implants that he was working on, it took over six months to fully integrate, but newer designs got this time down to like less than three months to fully integrate. And what the mechanism was at work to speed up the integration was you um, douse the surface in an acid bath to rough it up hmm. and make it easier for the bone to integrate with the implant, which I thought was really interesting. Huh, yeah, so if, is. you know, that process isn't occurring fast enough, you can dump some acid in there and speed it up. Huh. Yeah, I'll so ask things, my dad about that. He's a dentist. Yeah. Thanks, Jeremy, for writing. And uh, lastly, we had a, we heard from Amy Claire, who uh, wanted to let us know that our prosthetic podcast reminded her of a Flannery O'Connor story that she just finished reading for her lit class. Oh, yeah. Um I always get the titles confused. Good Country People. Good Country. I was about to say Good Man is Hard to Find, but that's a different story. Oh, yeah. yeah. So if you guys have anything to say, again, send it our way or uh, connect with us on Facebook. We're uh, Stuff in the Science Lab or on Twitter. We're Lab Stuff. Yeah, check us out there. We'll uh, keep you updated on what our latest podcasts are about, what we're blogging about, um, odd news stories that come our way, as well as uh, the new um, you know articles that are hitting the How Stuff Works website itself. All right. Thanks for listening. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Want more HowStuffWorks? Check out our blogs on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage. diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. The future of wireless is here, and it's transparent. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon, just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees, no surprises, no, really. What are you waiting for? Get with the times and switch to Visible at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.